What have we learned from living through a pandemic? Sure, there have been challenges, but there have also been some wonderful discoveries of time with our family, of slowing down, doing things together that had been lost in the frenetic shuffle of life before the pandemic. But now as things are reopening, hopefully sooner than later, are we going to jump back on the treadmill? Keith McCurdy offers us wisdom on how to continue to protect and embrace these positive new habits and traditions that we've started with our marriage, our children, our school, and our faith. Stay tuned for this episode of Basecamp Live. Mountains, we all face them as we seek to influence the next generation. Get equipped to conquer the challenges, summit the peak, and shape exceptionally thoughtful, compassionate, and flourishing human beings. We call it ancient future education for raising the next generation. Welcome to Basecamp Live. Now your host, Davies Owens. Welcome to Basecamp Live. Davies Owens back on the line with good friend Keith McCurdy. How are you, Keith? I'm doing well, doing well. Hope you are. I'm doing well. You know, it's exciting to maybe see the uh, the the new world opening back up, where people are crawling out from under the rocks, and maybe COVID slightly fading away a little bit. <laughs> uh, we we can be hopeful. Yes, I, I think we're slowly getting out of this season. That's our hope. And that is definitely well. That is definitely what we're hoping is going to happen. And it may be depends on which state you're in. There's some states that don't even know what a mask is anymore, and there are others that are wearing two masks. So eventually, we'll all hopefully get back to quote life as normal. But what we want to talk about is maybe. In fact, there are some things that we don't want to get back to where life was normal because some of the normal life before wasn't actually so awesome. And COVID, as much as it's been a, a pandemic, has actually been a gift. It's brought us to gain some new perspective. So, hey, Keith, tell me some things that maybe from your perspective, and again, those that don't know you that need to know that you're president and, and founder of, of Total Life Counseling. And you guys have, you've been at it for how many, what? 30 years now counseling with people. So you've yeah, we our practice has been 30. serving the Roanoke and uh, Virginia area for 40 years, 40 years. And I've been, I've been in the field for about 32, 33 years. Yeah. And we, the number keeps ticking up, but I mean, you're, you're 20,000 plus people. You've whatever the number is that you've sat face to face with and lots of people coming to see you during COVID. So I'm curious, both from your personal life experience and your family, and then also as a counselor, what are some things that you guys what are we learning from COVID? What's, what's some value to this bad thing that's actually a good thing? Yeah, you know, I, I have to give the comment I, I've shared on a, maybe even with you before, Davies, is, is the one that stands out the most is the mom that saw me right towards the beginning of the shutdown in COVID. And she said, you know, I've always prayed for more time with my children, but I'm not sure this is what I meant. <laughs> and, yeah. and yet that same mom, it's interesting if I reflect on it, that same mom has shared with me in their view, the adventure of COVID. Uh, part of that adventure is looking at potentially losing a family business and the struggle they've had through that this whole time. But then the flip side is in the midst of that struggle, really seeing uh, the reconnection of relationships and the value of relationships, both in the midst of their struggle, but also in the midst of, of fun things. Uh, you, you know, and, and I think all of us have experienced some of that. Hopefully, you know, I, I was uh, laughing. My, my daughter had a close friend in town. And so we were showing off our, our brand new skill of homemade pasta making last night. Oh. Uh, and so, 
you know, so we're all learning a new a COVID new talent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the most interesting thing about it is that it has nothing to do with the pasta. It has to do with the fact that it doesn't happen quickly and you have to spend time with the person or people you're making it with. So, and so it's been, been valuable in that way. And I'm sure every family, I would think, and again, as you indicated, obviously, I know from emails we get, which we love, info.basecamplive.com. Thanks for letting us know what you're hearing and thinking. A lot of families were in a position where they had the luxury because they were, could, one, one spouse is maybe working, maybe one wasn't, and one was home all the time. So they had this unique moment in time, just everybody was back. I know for our three kids, we had a college student home and a senior and a sophomore during covid back in the spring and it was amazing i was like oh my goodness all three of our kids are under one roof and this is just precious time i know for other families maybe trying to juggle jobs or losing jobs but i would say number one uh, is redeeming the time like i would say that's something that we learned is that we do need to redeem the time and i had a little fun looking up some statistics keith you mentioned your pasta making um want to take a guess at the percentage of u.s puzzle sales that were up year over year (laughs) year back in march just year so 2019 versus 20 on puzzle sales Oh my gosh. Has to be more than a hundred percent. Well, it it was. It was three hundred and seventy percent um puzzle sales. So um more than just retirement home people doing puzzles now. A lot of families doing puzzles. That was good. Games in the same same way the gaming industry, Monopoly, Hasbro, huge sales, um, ten times higher, uh, the game game producers have said. So you and I, another interesting statistic, you're talking about baking. Um, so get this one. U.S. sales of yeast grew by how, what percentage do you think back in March? Thinking about a lot of people like yourself going oh, back in the kitchen. 150 <laughs> percent. No, try 647 oh, percent. Goodness. <laughs> that was a lot oh, of yeast. Goodness. And, and that if that, a lot of baking. There's a lot of baking going on. So, um, yeah, those kitchens that we thought only had microwaves in them actually have stoves and you can do amazing things. Lots of cookies being made and a lot of. <laughs> Redeem time uh, along the same well, lines. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, say, and I'll tell you, you know, something else we've seen too. It's interesting. You know, not only have we seen these other activities increase, we've also seen the use of certain things change. You know, I, I just think, you know, gosh, we're baking more, we're cooking more, but we're also using technology very differently. You know, I've seen, I've had folks come in my office saying, you know, gosh, I've always hated my iPhone, or I've always hated my iPad. These are adults usually. And now they're saying, it's the greatest thing in the world. I can talk to the grandkids or I can, (laughs) you know, I can, I can do these things I never thought of before. And they're actually using it as a resource as, as they should. Right. Or looking at it as in a different way. It was just the thing they kept their, whatever their calendar on or calendar on, you know, we did a podcast a couple episodes back, uh, actually back in the summer, Laurie Detweiler, um, interviewed her. And, you know, of course she and her husband, um, run a wonderful curriculum per, uh, company, Veritas, and they've done great work. But she's also a grandmother, and she said one of the best things, to your point, Keith, was discovering FaceTime, reading books to her grandchildren. And I thought, Lori, that's a really interesting thing because yeah. you could have done that all along, but now you're forced to do something, and it was using technology. Right. And is it better? Right. Th- you know, does it replace sitting with your grandchild in your lap? No. But now she's got her grandchildren at nightly saying, hey, read me a book. So, I, you know, I've had the same experience with uh, patients who have elderly parents or grandparents who are in assisted living facilities, yep. places like that, that during COVID have not allowed visitors. Yeah. And so one of the one of the things we work out is make sure they have either an iPhone or an iPad and a nursing staff that can help them get on if they don't not used to the technology. Yeah. And lo yeah. and behold, what they report is 
we actually now and the grandkids talk to them more right, right. than they did when we could visit. Yeah. And, because we we've, we've had to be more intentional about it. We, well, we, and, we Yeah, and as we'll get to, we we had the margin that we maybe didn't have before, which we're going to talk about in a bit. But I mean, we definitely no excuse you're sitting there, what else are we going to do? Well, let's let's reach out to our grandparents or let's read yeah. a book online or let's pick up a hobby. You know, speaking of, you know, other things it's interesting um You've been to my my shop. I, I enjoy restoring cars, and um, I'm often um, it can be cheap at times. And go off to Harbor Freight and and get tools and stuff there. And it was amazing that I they, love Harbor Freight. I, hey, we should get a little plug from Harbor Freight here. But uh, they were out of so many things other than gloves because all of a sudden everybody realized that old car project in the garage might be a good time to do that. Or um, Holly and I were over at a, and some other another couple's house this weekend, and they were showing off their COVID project, and they were showing us the patio they built in the backyard and the fire pit. And I thought, this is a awesome. whole new like the vocab. We we now speak in terms of COVID projects and in things that we discovered. So yes, there's some real amazing uh, legacies. I think if we can hold on to them. So, um, but I you know, but I also know human nature. We're fickle, and the Bible says we're stiff-necked people, like the Israelites. We forget things pretty quickly. Yeah, the key is, is are we going to figure out what's been valuable and then also figure out a way to hold on to them? Right. And well, I think that's part of the challenge we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about that. Well, why don't we take a quick break? We're going to come back and talk about what is this lack of ability in us as humans. You know, I think about 9-11, everybody rushed to church. Everybody promised different, I'm going to see the world differently. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to be more intentional. And then, I don't know, maybe a week, a month, and boom, something happened. We we forgot. So we, how do we not forget what God has taught us in the midst of COVID? Let's take a break. We'll be right back with Keith McCurdy and talk more about this important topic. Hello, my name is David Kern and I'm with the Searcy Institute. And I'd like to tell you about a new product that we have available now called 30 Poems to Memorize Before It's Too Late. It features some of the most essential poems ever written and is a book for people who believe that the mind is worth filling with beautiful things. Each poem has been carefully selected by a panel of poets, educators, and scholars, and is accompanied by a brief but thoughtful essay that explores the poem, identifying questions to ask, images to contemplate, and forms to revel in. If you love poetry, or just want to make poetry a bigger part of your life or your school's life, then please check out 30 Poems to Memorize Before It's Too Late. You can get it right now on Amazon.com or at searcyinstitute.org slash 30 poems. That's searcyinstitute.org slash 30 poems. Welcome back to Basecamp Live here with Keith McCurdy, just recounting all of the wonderful new habits and experiences that we've had in the midst of a COVID pandemic. Never would have wished it on ourselves, but boy, there's some great discoveries. So, Keith, my question for you is, why does it take a pandemic to discover that it is good to bake things in our kitchen and do puzzles and spend time with our family? Like, wouldn't that have been kind of obvious to us before? What was wrong with us before? Yeah, now I, I've had several parents already tell me in the last several months, we're realizing we have been way too busy and too busy with the wrong things. And when I get into conversations with them about it, it's really interesting because it, it highlights the faulty messages that we have bought into. And what I mean by that is we can, we can have too much of a good thing. And so the faulty messages are, are this, that academic achievement and performance 
that athletic, academic achievement, performance, extracurricular involvement, uh, piano lessons, ballet, while good, should not be more important or more valuable than character development and family relationships. And all of those have eclipsed that. You know, we've we've lost that. And it's been easy for that to be lost because those other things are good and exciting and fun. And yet we have gotten away from the practical aspect of character development, family relationship, family connectivity. And, and that's why it took a pandemic that shut those things down completely so, for us to so, realize the value. So Keith, I'm curious. I mean, I really, I mean, put on your full counselor hat because I, I would have, I would assume that if we had asked a question pre-pandemic, you know, BP before the pandemic, AP after the pandemic, back in the BP world, if you'd ask Christian folks who are listening to this podcast, is it important to prioritize family over activity and over academics and over athletics? I'm sure everybody would have checked for the most part. Yes, of course that's true. And yet the reality is that was not true. So what are the real hidden reasons why we worship at the foot of the, you know, my kids got to get straight A's and I've got to look great and everybody's got to perform and I need my two-year-old to be in three activities. Like, what is that? What's really going on there? Is it just a love of activity? Well, no, I think it's a lot of uh, things we've talked about in prior podcasts. You know, we have bought into this therapeutic mindset. And as parents, the way the way this affects us is we really believe our jobs to keep our children happy and entertained. And, and part of that ends up being activities and involvement and things like that. So we, we buy into that mindset, which is a very therapeutic mindset. But then we also buy into the notion, even in the Christian classical world, you know, we talk a lot about character development, but yet we've got to ask the question, are we more frustrated by a lack of what we see as character development or by poor grades? You know, we still come back around and, and our major evaluation is grades. Not that they should, not that grades should not be something we used to evaluate, but it's very easy to focus more on that academic piece than the character development. But I think, I think a lot of that comes from that therapeutic mindset, just the notion that we have to keep our children happy and entertained and engaged and that takes us away from the idea that healthy struggle is the engine to growth and maturity. I mean, if, you know, if given the option, you know, I'm going to give my child healthy struggle that they're not always going to be happy with and complain about, or I'm going to let them join four teams this season and travel everywhere and get to stay in hotels and eat restaurant food. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, you know, yeah. it, it, it's weird. And, and I'll give you a way I've captured that before. I have a, um, I have a, 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 a survey, a questionnaire I give parents when I consult. And, uh, and I ask everything. I ask, you know, how many hours a week do your children do these extracurriculars? How many, how much money do you spend on an annual basis? Uh, all these things that force them to come up with all this information. Half of those parents, when they come in my office, bef before we ever talk about anything, they say, okay, we get your point. We already know what the problem is. And they realized just by answering the questions how out of balance they had allowed things to become. Sure. And I think it's, and, it, and again, it's those who are listening, obviously, probably the majority are parents. I also think we are teachers and educators, too. And I think uh, to your point within the classical Christian universe, because we are wanting our kids to uh, rise to their God-given ability and to be stretched, and we're not afraid of doing things that are difficult, um, we can 
I think in times mischaracter opportunities, even in the classroom, because we're trying so hard to run and gun through all the literature and all the books. And aren't we amazing? Because right. we read 125 of the great books of Western. Yes, but our kids are bloodshot eyes and they're exhausted. And was that really helpful? So, I mean, I think our schools also, um, and this is a probably a separate podcast, but it, it's interesting just all of a sudden, all of our idols, if you will, of our accomplishments and our perfect lesson plans got blown up in COVID too. And we had to step back and say, we got to bare bones this thing down and, and know. Absolutely. I, yeah. And I, so I think there's probably some evaluating that our schools can do too on sort of how do we make sure we don't lose that character piece in this moment. So, but keep going. This is really interesting on sort of how did we not get this before? <laughs> what, what? Yeah. And, and yeah. Again, so, so I think because, because the other messages that were out there were echoed by culture everywhere we looked. You know, culture was saying to us, because culture has grabbed this therapeutic mindset that you're the best parent because your child is involved in all these things. You know, the cool parents have their kids in ballet. The, the really neat parents have their kids in three travel sports. You know, the, the the parent that wants their child to go to college and make a lot of money and have a fabulous career has them at the best school and is focused on them getting 1600 on the SAT. So cultural, uh, the cultural messaging it has been pushing all of this that right. we've bought into. You know, how many parents want to be, and this goes for parenting as well, how many parents want to be the strange parent? You know, and how do you define that? The countercultural parent. How many of us really want to be the parent in the neighborhood? Yeah, that doesn't allow video games. Or not, nah, we really don't care about Johnny being on four travel teams. The, you know, that, the, that puts unbelievable pressure on us to be the oddball. Well, and that's what I was getting at in my question before about with your full counselor hat on. I mean, the kind of the dirty secret is it's not just we we love activity. I mean, we we can be that way. But I think our, our identity as parents is so bound up intrinsically in how people yep. perceive us. It's the it's the chasing the Joneses thing and trying to. Well, how they perceive us, but how they perceive us through how they perceive what our children do right. and what our children demonstrate. That's, right. And then, and then to your point on the backdrop of a culture that worships speed and volume, then all of a sudden it's, Oh, you're only in three travel teams, my kids and four. And it's, you know, and it's from 1am to 4am, you know, it seems like where does it I'll, stop? I'll, yeah. I'll give you a crazy example. Uh, about two years ago, I asked a group of parents, it was probably six or eight different families, maybe a few more that were in travel sports, their kids, I said, would you do me a favor and add up how much money you've spent? Can you pull your receipts up, pull your credit card up? How much you spend on one child for one year on travel sports? You know what the average was? It was $10,000. Unbelievable. $10,000 for, for a eight-year-old to travel a state away to get beat by some team that they could easily get beat Because no one home. else plays basketball in their state. They have to travel. No, right. And, and look, right. I know somebody's listening going, you you guys got to understand my kids really, really. I mean, I'm sure there are kids that really need to be in it. And, and, but to your point, Keith, it's very much. A, um, yeah. Somehow we've got to We got to keep dialing up. And I'm and I think our point here is that that this sort of everybody hit pause, reflect on what's important. It won't be Lord willing too long before all of this kicks back up and then are you going to do something different and so why don't right. I take the question is, yeah, yeah, yeah the ahead. question is not the, the question is not are these things bad the question is how do we balance them so that we and our children are healthy and involved if it's if it's appropriate yeah all right well let's take a break and we'll come back kind of for our, our final section and look really practically at how we do this Keith because I think this again it all everybody's going to check the box like we would have checked it before family's important 
our priorities should be important. And yet those real pressures sneak in. And the next thing you know, everything is upside down. So we'll be right back with Keith McCurdy to get the answer to how we rightly order all this. Are your students considering taking the PSAT this fall? Many administrations have been canceled, so don't find yourself out of luck. The October 20th CLT-10 is the only online alternative that can be taken from home, and it delivers next-day results. Register for the October 20th CLT-10 today at cltexam.com. Registration is free. All right, Keith, we're back. This is the final section. We've talked all about these wonderful discoveries we've all made, um, but we are a forgetful people. What do they say that you remember about 3% of what you hear, which is kind of discouraging if you're a teacher, um, if you don't, and especially if you write it down, it increases it. So help us out here. I mean, I, I think we all agree um, that some of these wonderful, precious moments we've had with our family gathered, um, we recognize that kids need to go back to college and Work needs to happen like it used to, and things are going to get, come back online, which is wonderful. But how do we not forget the things God's taught us in this time? Yeah, I, I think that as the world starts to open back up, you know, what I'm talking about with parents on a daily basis is how do we re-engage but do it in a healthy way? You know, how can we, what mechanism, what filter can we use as a template, in a sense, to, to re re-engage the world, but without getting out of balance, withholding valuable, what we've seen is now valuable and, and leaving a place for it. And so I, I want to tell you what I've shared with most of these parents to, to kind of give them that filter. And a friend of mine, about 15 years ago, um, I, I shared with him a little model about something. And he, you know, 10 years later, probably five years ago, he said, you know, I never really thought you were all that smart, but I got to tell you, that thing is still taped to my refrigerator and when things in our family, and he has four or five kids, when things in my family get a little crazy, my wife and I can look at that and figure out where we went wrong. And, and here's what I share with parents and what I shared with him. Most families pre-pandemic, BP before pandemic, um, that came to see me that were struggling, most of them were operating with this order of life. And think of it where we put our time, energy, money, things like that. At the t- and, and so it's, it's, it's a, a list of things. The top was the world. These are all the different obligations we have, all the things we've volunteered for, all of the commitments we've made. They kind of run our schedule. The next category um, was our kids and really all of their activities, all of the different things they're involved in, all the extracurriculars, all of the other things we're running around constantly with them to take care of. Then it's family. And, and I always had parents telling me, well, you know, we believe in family. We're going to have family dinner together at least once a week if it doesn't conflict with Bobby's baseball practice. And then the fourth is marriage. And I was regularly having couples saying, you know, this is the order we operate in. But by, by the time we get there, we're giving each other our worst. And then the bottom is God. You know, we know God's got a plan and we're constantly praying that he can show us, you know, the path to be on. Well, the problem is that's the reverse of really what it needs to be. What it needs to be is, you know, the notion that God calls us into a relationship with him. He then says, two of you become one. That's the marriage. Then define your family. Assimilate your kids to what you've defined as your family identity. And the world gets the leftovers. 
And in and with those five things, there's two guiding principles. The first is that the higher levels inform the ones below. Our relationship with God directs how we operate in our marriage. Our marriage and our relationship with God directs how we build our family, how we identify what we say is healthy versus not. That directs what we require of our children. And then the world gets what we have left over that we believe still is healthy, as healthy involvement. And then the second guiding principle is that lower items many times need to be sacrificed for the ones above. In other words, in our world today, kids are almost always taking precedence over the marriage. But there are times when we need to push the kids, their activities aside to have time in the marriage. You know, I ask families a lot. I say, who is more put out during the week? Are kids more put out because the parents are doing things or are parents more put out because the kids are doing things? You know, that right there nails most of us. It's and, and really, the kids need to be put out a little more often because the parents need to be doing things together without children. Yeah, I mean, think about how many of us grew up. I mean, obviously, well, it depends your age, but I mean, definitely before anybody had smart devices or technology out there, you know, sitting with my mom and whatever she was doing at a meeting or shopping or whatever else. And I'm just having to make right. up, make up an activity or, you know, count my right. fingers or, you know, do something. But I was having to self um, self-entertain. And that's you're right. That's completely Inverted. I think it's a great list, Keith. I mean, I think that would be so. Again, help us just super practically. I'm sure, again, people are like, yeah, I would agree with that list. But help us when, again, options are going to come. There's going to be emails are going to pop in the inbox. Hey, that team is starting back up. That activity is starting back up. What do we do? How do we say no to that? How do we know what to say no to? Yeah, I, I think you can use if if you look at that list, you can use it in a very practical way. Number one, before anything comes in in the email. Yeah. Before any new activity comes in, you know, number one, am I making time for God? Am I making time for my relationship with God? Number two, am I regularly making time for my marriage? Number three, have I clearly defined and am I holding to what I say we are in our family? You know, four, you know, now if I've made time for all these things, there's only a certain amount of time now left for our kids to be involved in things without throwing all that off. Uh, you know, the idea is I'll give you a simple example. How much do you value family dinner? You've got to decide that because that will direct how many activities and yeah. when those activities yeah. are that you agree that your children will participate in. And so it's really being able to use that as a filter to say, wait a minute, if the if this is the order of priority, then I actually have to make decisions based on that order. And as my friend said, and I've had other couples tell me this over the years, when things start to get crazy in our life, if we just look at that order, it takes us no time to realize what we've allowed to creep up to the top that doesn't belong there. Well, I wonder, Keith, just to take it, what you know, get very practical. It'd be a great thing to just to pencil out. Here's those five variables, and then what did what did your family do during COVID under those categories that you want to oh. hold on to? Yeah, beautiful way to look at it. Yeah, what what did you do in these categories that you saw value in, and you realize? made a difference right. for can, you individually and relationally. And how can you preserve them? Yeah. I mean, if you played game, game night, which our family's done more game night in the last eight months and probably the last eight years. I mean, so if we want to keep doing game night, then probably needs to make it to our calendar at some point as a protected thing. And well, and that's the, that's the other piece is when you're looking at, you know, you're, let's use marriage as an example. You know, if you're looking at characteristics of healthy marriages, one of them is they put a priority on time together. And when they put a priority on time together, three things happen. One, they plan it, which means they have to communicate. 
Two, it has to hit a schedule. It has to hit paper or a Google Calendar. And three, this is the one that makes it real. It has to be held sacred. And what that means is this, two things. You put a boundary around it. So if something else comes up, you're not available. And that's the messaging. Sorry, we can't do this because we've claimed this as sacred. But number two, if your plan is you're getting up and going to the farmer's market on Saturday morning and you both get up and you're too tired, you go anyway because you said it's so value valuable, we've made it sacred. And so if you think about that in this list, you know, what are the things we have seen that fit in these categories that are valuable that we know need to remain? Well, then let's put them somewhere and let's make them sacred. I think that's so new things come up. Yeah. We push it aside. Yeah. I mean, I think that's absolutely helpful, Keith. I mean, idea of sacred, holy, set apart. It's different from protected from makes total sense. And again, I think I think so I'm you know, I'm running it through my own family, my own filter. I'm thinking there's probably a lot of things that I've not even stopped long enough to articulate what what worthy things we did or experiences we had that I would actually want to hold on to. I mean, I, I keep, yes, we did kitchen time. We played extra games. We went on walks. But are there some other things that I'd have to really put some thought into that that were, you know, maybe less obvious that were, were you know, outputs of COVID, everybody on hold? And how do I keep that alive in some way? So Right. Right. Yeah. And I think by us being, I think the key word is being intentional, mm-hmm. intentional to reflect on the last five, six months, whatever it's been intentional reflection to say what was valuable yeah. that needs to be a part of this moving forward. And then intentional to say that we need to put it, put it on a calendar, hold it sacred. Yeah. Well, and it again, as always, is as much about what to say no to as what to say yes to. It's the idea of kind of white spaces on our family calendar. Like how do we keep the white spaces there and, and keep time? Right. I mean, if everything, and even if everything is prescribed with really good COVID positive, I guess I shouldn't say something's COVID positive. That is, but if it's positive things you learned in in COVID time, but it, but I also think you just have to build in margin. Is the point that's not it, that's the stuff well, that gets consumed and gone. So, and we have to realize that COVID did something that we now have to take over. COVID said no to all kinds of things because it shut them down. We now need to learn to say no to the world when it tries to shove its way back in the family. So basically, be your own pandemic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> be your own pandemic. <laughs> Let's just make sure it. people know that you have said that. I'm, I'm putting that on a T-shirt. Good. That's good. That's going to be the new be base your camp. Own pandemic. <laughs> but I will suggest to you that yeah. the, some of the healthiest people I've known over the years are not people that are always saying yes. They're the people that pretty firmly. Say, you know, the, the saying is they say no with as much gusto yeah. as they say yes. Yeah. Yep. Because they're saying no and they know why they're saying no. Yeah. Live intentionally. It's excellent. Well, Keith, thanks so much. We're about out of time. This is another excellent conversation. Thank you for being so uh, frequently here on Base Camp. And as folks want to interact with you or uh, whether it's a follow-up question or a suggestion or a COVID story, they can communicate with you right at info at basecamplive.com. Or maybe you have a question or comment for a future episode. We would love to hear from you. Or maybe just tell us where you're listening from. That's always a blessing to to Keith and myself. Um, a lot of folks all around the world that are, that are dialed in listening. So we appreciate that. And as always, Keith, want to um, invite you to be, be a part of this. And maybe just as we close out, we, you want to share a little bit about, you've, you're doing a lot with schools too. I know school leaders are listening. And so there's some unique things you've got on the horizon to be even more available to our classical Christian schools. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, 
I travel around and consult quite a bit. And so the pandemic has shut that down. But what it has opened up is the ability to uh, do consulting remotely. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I'm kind of booking both things right now. <laughs> you know, I've got some schools that I can visit in person based on whatever guidelines in their town are. Uh, but I'm also doing uh, a lot of this remote and offering the same thing uh, in a remote format to yeah. schools. And I've already done a couple and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been, going well. It's well received. Yeah. So, and we've got a, yeah, conference coming up, uh, SEL is, and and end of October, and you're going to be part of that as well. So we appreciate all you do, Keith. Thanks so much, and we look forward to having you back on. Thank you very much. That's a wrap on another episode of Basecamp Live. Guys, we know it's not easy raising the next generation. This idea of ancient future education is valuable and important. We are so excited about it, and we would love to hear from you and support you in what you are doing. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Basecamp Live. Also, send us an email at info at basecamplive.com. So until next time, let's keep climbing the mountain before us together.